0: Meta-athletes would like to thank Fanzo and the team at NFT365 for letting us use their podcast episode with our very own Coach B for this week's episode of Meta-athletes, the playbook. Enjoy. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT365, and I'll tell you what, the, the beauty that know this this entire space unlocks and we've heard this through many of the interviews many of uh the 400 plus podcasts uh that we've done now in web3 is this idea of not only community but you know being able to connect with people that you might not have ever connected with before and allowing us to kind of come together uh you know kind of bond over uh you know mutual interests and and passions and uh you guys are in for a good one today uh, super excited to have, you know, I would say I, my good friend and someone that you know I look up to as not only someone that has been you know in the game of of motivating, inspiring, uh, and really just helping you know people of all shapes and sizes, um, you know be their best selves, but also someone that's been heavy in web three and also with meta athletes, Coach B, long overdue, super excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for jumping on.
1: Fan so, this is a uh, this is a treat for me. And like I said before, I'm just honored and humbled. Um, you know, as I started my journey, like one of the things I first learned about was your podcast and listening to it every single day, driving my kids to school. Um, I don't know if they quite understood everything that was happening every time we would listen to it, but they're like, He's got another one every single day. And I said, Yeah, I'm like, We're gonna listen to it every single day. And um, you don't know how many people I passed along your podcast to to try to help educate them and onboard them in the space because at the beginning, it's been over a year and a half now. Um, so many colleagues would be like, what are you, what are you tweeting about? Like, what, what, what are these pictures and what are these, these things that you're tweeting about? And then they'd start texting me and then we'd get on a phone call and, and getting them under up to speed on, on what everything is and within digital ownership. And, and your podcast was one of the things that's the biggest resources. I think that's been, um, a godsend for a lot of people to try to help onboard on the space. So I appreciate you. And I'm glad to be able to do this.
0: Yeah, you know, and we, you know, we got to jam out a little bit on, you know, a couple of podcast episodes with with meta athletes. We got to hang out in person, which, you know, there really is nothing that replaces that. And you know, I still remember, you know, us meeting for the first time there in the doorway of the of the I think it was the Mexican restaurant, right? I think this is where we were at there in in New York City. But yeah, you know, and I, you're, I mean, you know, not only in lots of communities, but you know, there you started to be, you know, for me. Like, if I knew that you were tweeting or, you know, kind of involved in a community from a standpoint of a holder, it it was definitely one of those flags for me, like, okay, now this community has, like, another notch. And so, like, like for me, like, you know, there's certain people in the space that I just know that their version of success, the things that they prioritize, the things they care about are aligned with me. There's not very many of them. I think we both can, you know, there's a lot of people that, hey, I, I appreciate and love what they're doing. Uh, but there's not a, a whole bunch that kind of are are there, you know, through you know different pieces. But uh, before we talk those pieces, give us a little bit about your background. Um, you know, I, I introduced you as Coach B, so there's a, there's that coach element that is in there. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about like your pre Web three world, um, and then kind of what kind of spawned you into this whole craziness of Web three.
1: Yeah, that's um, it's a great story, and I, and you know, I, one of the things I always tell the athletes I kind of work with is we're always writing our story. And it's nice to sometimes take a step back and be able to tell our story. And so, this my story is that I'm a, in real life. I'm a strength conditioning coach. I'm a, a associate athletic director, and I, you know, have the privilege to work at a Division One university. I work with teams. I work with athletes, and my job is to prepare them for for their sport. Um, but early on in my career, I, I understood it, it was more about the athlete and more about uh, less. Sorry, less about the athlete, more about the human being. That I was a, that I was able to work with. And so a lot of my philosophy when it comes to coaching is trying to get student athletes and the people that I'm working with, the professionals, whatever um, population I'm working with is get them to understand that they have an opportunity to improve and they have an opportunity to get better. And I just happen to use the weight room as a means to show them how they can improve their their self-confidence. They can improve their preparedness. They can improve their self-talk. They can improve their body language. They can improve their communication skills. And the, all those types of things like transcended athletics. And during quarantine, during COVID, I remember my wife telling me like, you need to start doing more stuff online. Like you need to start doing, um, you know, putting yourself out there because she understood that I have a skill set and I have a, an ability to connect and an ability to try to empower other people um, to develop, the, you know, to develop some personal ownership to to try to improve their not only really just physical fitness, but just like their mental fitness in their and their own outlook in lives. And so um, I put together a website with the help of one of my former athletes and China. It was a massive brain dump. It was a, it was just everything that I had done, like podcasts, interviews, newspaper articles, it's just articles all around the Internet. Um, my philosophy, my services, and just kind of put them there in one spot. And it kind of lived there, and it didn't really do anything until um, I started to understand and learn about crypto and blockchain. And then it kind of led me into um, NFTs and, and what people were doing about you know, creating content and um, trying to get involved in communities and really try to build, not just create a t- attention, but to try to build an audience of people that might be willing to listen to what I have to say and um you know that kind of me letting it kind of led me to get into a number of different communities different number of projects and i i met so many different people like you said before like i met people all around the world that probably would never ever connected with and um i've likened this to it's different than a facebook group right somebody's like "Why, why can't you just go in a facebook group i'm like it's completely different i was like you don't know until you know and um yeah i might meet people in a facebook group but when you have a shared interest and you have shared ownership It's a, it's a different level of interest and a different level of connection than just going in a a Reddit forum or going in a Facebook group. Like it's, it's, it's just way different and it's really hard to put words to, but I am extremely grateful for anybody that's followed me. Anybody that's, um, has notifications on anybody that's willing to, um, listen to the perspectives and things that I might have to be able to share. And I, like I said, everybody, like it's, it just, these are my insights and my perspectives and I know they've worked with a lot of other people. It's up to you to decide if, if you want to be able to implement that within your own lives, if you want change. So uh, that's kind of like my web three journey. And I've been fortunate enough to be, to be included on some teams. Um, Primarily my number one is, is med athletes. And, and it's, it's kind of like really resonates with me and resonates within my heart because it's, it's everything that I stand for. Like there's a, when I met Drew and we started to chat a little bit more, there was a, there's a lot of things that aligned um, between, between he and I and between the mission and between the vision. And, and really the, this concept of, of just constant growth and just having a growth mindset, it was, it aligned with me. And, and then when he asked me to be on the team, I'm like, I, I, I had no doubt in my mind. And it's been a, it's been a rocky road and it's been, uh, a bumpy ride over the course of a year but it's been extremely rewarding to see how things have grown and things have gone and you know obviously marking conditions are one thing but we're never going to use that as an excuse and, and we're never going to use anything as an excuse really and it's been uh it's just been a fun ride and plus getting to know you a little bit be- better um there's just so many good people that are still around that you know it's I don't know, i'm just really grateful really grateful
0: yeah, we're, we're going to dive into that too. I think, you know, your, um, you know, what you've brought to Meta Athletes, a, as well as kind of what Meta Athletes has now become, you know, kind of as it kind of found its own legs. Uh, you know, I think it's it'd be fun to go back and listen to Kevin's interview uh, way back when. I think he's like interview, I think he's episode like 47, right? So, like, like literally like 350 episodes ago, plus episodes ago, um, that we had Kevin on, uh, who was one of the co founders and, and artists behind Meta Athletes. But I'm, I'm curious before we tap into that side of it, was, was strength and conditioning, like, was that something that was always on kind of your roadmap as like what you wanted to kind of focus on? What, like, what was that driving force? Because I mean, I love how you position that, right? Like the weight room is your ability to connect and it, it's a place that allows you to kind of deliver that, that, that connection that ultimately makes people better humans, not just, you know, be able to, to lift more. But was that always like the, the path that you had kind of seen in your, in your career early on?
1: Yeah, that's a That's another story in itself. And um, I had always loved athletics and I always loved sports. And um, growing up, I was I was obese. Right. I was overweight. I was you know, I didn't have the opportunity to play a lot of sports because um, my parents always worked. I'm an only child. And so they always worked. And um, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to play youth sports or, you know, given the same opportunities that we give our kids right now. So I often, I came home and I'd watch TV and, and, I, and I'd and eat a lot of junk food. And when I got to the point of, when I got to middle school and when I got to high school, you know, I got involved in athletics and sports because things I loved. And, um, you know, one of the things that I did was I played football my freshman year in high school. And I remember it was challenging. It was hard. It was, I finished last in every single conditioning drill. Um, I was the kid that teammates had to clap for to help you know help them finish and help them encourage the run and finish the run and I remember at the end of it at the end of the season I was like I don't want to be in that position anymore like I don't want to be the kid who finishes last like I don't want to be that kid so uh, I'd committed you know I mean I commit this was 1994 uh, I committed to Um, exercising, eating a little bit better. And back in the day, there was no internet, right? There was no, like you couldn't couldn't just consume information. So it was magazines. It was magazines and just based on what people did. So I ran like in, I remember the first time I ran a mile, it was like 10 minutes. And I was like, wow. So I, I remember that. And I remember how hard it was and how difficult it felt. And then just trying to, you know, understand what it meant to eat a little bit better and not and cut out junk food. And, um, I ended up losing 90 pounds in six months wow. and, and it wasn't, it wasn't the most healthiest way. Right. It was, um, you know, it was a lot of deprivation. It was a lot of, um, you know, just not eating a lot of like exercising. And I started to realize that it wasn't the most healthiest way. Um, but then I found the weight room and I found the, I found that one of our coaches had put together a strength conditioning program and. I thought it was unique and I thought it was exciting. I thought it was interesting to understand how you could manipulate different variables to create a different response and based on the time of the year. So I started to immerse myself into the weight room and understanding the body a little bit more in, in proper nutrition. And um, I realized when I was a senior, I was like, you know what? Like, I really love exercise. I really love training and I really love sports. And I know I'm not going to be a division one athlete. I'm not going to be a division three athlete. Like I, I knew my limitations. And so I realized at that point, I'm like, I want to help other people achieve their dreams. And so I had just under heard about like strength conditioning as a, as a field. This was like 1998. So I went to the university of Connecticut and I remember my second week on campus, I went down the varsity weight room and I said, I want to do what you guys do. And the staff at that time took me underneath their wing and um, a legendary staff uh, of of individuals that are, you know, have done a lot of really good things and over the year and years and just blessed to be given that opportunity. But yeah, that was, that's kind of like the the spark that kind of led to me to decide what I wanted to do. And then the rest is kind of history.
0: Wow. I mean, there's lots of that, that just hit me like, right. You know, in the, you know, just the idea that, you know, you know I appreciate the vulnerability too, right. I think there's, there's a lot of people that kind of, you kind of shy away from the idea of like, hey, I didn't have the opportunity to play some of these sports, right? That like that often did, right? I like my mom, I mean, bless her heart. You know, I'm the oldest of three boys. Uh and we were in, you know, a sport every single season. Uh we also played hockey, which you know, anyone that knows anyone that's in in hockey is like the the worst times that you know and we were in Virginia Beach, which was like the the thing, you nothing know, was close. But I, I will tell you that a couple of things hit me. You know, like I remember it was my freshman year in college, or freshman in college, freshman year in high school, was the first time I broke a 10 minute mile. So when you said that, that like really, cause like, I, I you know, I played baseball and hockey were my my two sports, but funny enough, football was kind of my love. And I played flag football um, through you know middle school, didn't try out to the team. And now looking back, right? I, there's a lot of like that, like self-awareness now, you know, being diagnosed ADHD and such. I realized that like, I was so scared to be the kid that people were clapping for the P the kid that was the, uh, not only I, I was, you know, in a weird way, I was never seen as out of shape on the, on the baseball diamond. I was the catcher and I could, I could do what needed to be done there, but like anything that was long, you know, conditioning running, I had three knee surgeries, um, you know, in high school that didn't really help thanks to catching. Like I played, I was the kid that caught, you know, from, from fifth grade through my dad had me in a camp every, you know, every summer and I ate it up. I love like the defensive aspect of catching was like my, my thing. And unfortunately it turned into, you know, three knee surgeries on the same knee. Um, And, but the, the other part of that was like, I didn't have like the, um the self-awareness or like the ownership to be like, like the fact you went down to the, to the weight room and said, Hey, I want to do what you do. I like hit me because like, I didn't have that like, even in college playing college hockey. And like, I knew that was like, I wanted to, I mean, in a weird way, I wanted to do sports broadcasting, but really, I never really wanted to do sports broadcasting. I said I did because I wanted to be a coach. Like, coaching was like the like, how could I fit into that realm? But I never had like the, you know, and like the I don't know whatever that is inside you to be like, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go pursue that. I'm gonna go knock that down. Right? And I happened to discover that I was pretty good on computers, and I was like, oh, I'll, I can kind of lean into this side. But like, as you were saying that, like, so much of that, like, also kind of plays into like what you're able to see in others, right? And be able to like, kind of like, not only motivate, but inspire and you can relate at, at such a, you know, a deep level. And I, I really appreciate that aspect of it. And, you know, I, I also love, you know, shout out to your your wife kind of cluing into the, the, the internet side and being like, hey, you can make a, you know, a big impact on that way. I'm curious your first kind of impressions, and I probably pre-meta-athletes of the NFT space as someone that wasn't Drinking the marketing Kool Aid, all in on social media, like what was your kind of first impressions of like this culture? Just like from a standpoint of like, I mean, you're you're still here, and like that, that says a lot. But I, I'm ju- I always I'm always curious from someone that that like, you know that has your profession that also has like a I mean a skill set and a you know most wouldn't associate that with you know trading you know JPEGs of monkeys. But talk to me a little bit about that like, first impression of like how you kind of thought of this whole NFT space as a whole?
1: Well, it was interesting. Um, I, I, I had an intern that was, um, you know, kind of keyed me in with, with a little bit of crypto and like, he's like, you know, I remember he he came into my office and he's like, he's like, he's like, do you know anything about crypto? And I'm like, no, not really. Like, I remember like some athletes are talking about Bitcoin back in 2013 and, 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 and I never really paid much attention to it. And then, um, you know, he kind of piqued my interest a little bit into it and I started looking at things and, he had left, and he would text me things about like a, a board ape selling for like ten thousand dollars. I'm like, what? And, and I just couldn't I couldn't understand it. Right. And then I started to um, look into what was the first one? Oh, DraftKings. Draftkings, oh. like when they dropped with their autographs um collection, I had another friend, we were talking about, you know, um digital trading cards. and he he was into panini. And we were talking about DraftKings and Tom Brady being invested and in all these types of things. And I remember looking into it, and I, and I was fortunate to get one of those first Tom Brady preseason passes or whatever it was called. Yep. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, I kind of understand this. I, I started to understand like what it was and how like digital ownership was, is the next level of, of, of what the internet's going to be. And um, I was trying to explain it to my kids at the same time too, because they played at the time they were playing MLB, the show. Oh right. And if you ever played MLB, the show, you open up packs of cards yep. and you open up those packs of cards and you get players. And I was trying to explain to them, like, if you got two of the same players, you could potentially sell one or trade it to somebody else who might want it. And now you can play with different players that you might not be able to get. And they started to understand a little bit more, but that's what that's how it clicked in my mind. Yep. And then, and then it kind of evolved from sports cards or sports collectibles to PFPs. And I had always kind of been involved in social media, like like in Twitter and Instagram. But my algorithm and timeline was filled with you know strength conditioning professor professionals, um, research, all those types of things. And I often started to notice this. Some of that became pretty toxic, like in just people, you know, poo-pooing on other people the way that they would do things. And I started to shy away from like that, those kind of things. So I'm like, why are we so negative? Like, why do we, what do we have to hate on things? And then when I started to understand crypto and following different people in that realm, my timeline changed. Like everything on my feed started to change. It was, for the most part, it was really positive. It was fun. It was, it was engaging. It was a, like you said, it was, it was a different kind of culture. And it was, it was something that was, it really immersed me. It it really like piqued my interest in, in getting to know more and understanding a little bit more. And, um, which always, you know, I'm I'm a pretty curious person. I'm not, I tried not to be a judgmental person. I'm pretty, pretty curious. So all these things piqued my curiosity to try to understand more and learn more. And, uh, over the time you see trends, you see similar things like where people are going to be negative and people are going to hate and people are going to. Um, you know, spread FUD and 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 talk negatively, but I think i've kind of curated my my feed based on people that i that I kind of appreciate, and I end up seeing a little bit more positivity and a little bit more connectedness, which is which is the way I kind of think and i and I believe and I think that's why we get along it's like yeah. I think that there's a massive potential for humans to become better and I know this is kind of like really really out there and esoteric, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, we, if we can have a positive impact on one person, that person can be having a positive impact on another person. And sooner or later it can spread and we can have a really strong community and we can have a strong world around us. It's, and it takes a large amount of effort, but I know I play a key role in that. And why would I not spread positivity? So that's awesome. kind of where my kind of social media journal or like uh, journey has kind of, has kind of taken me to the things that I've seen.
0: I love that. And I mean, it's such an important, you know, component of it and you know, it's why not only why we connect uh, that way as well. I'm curious from like, were you exposed to Gary Vee at all? Like pre this space. So you were, you were aware of him. then?
1: Yes. Yeah. I was aware of Gary Vee and, and um, more from an entrepreneurial side and okay. from a business side. And then when I started to understand, or, you know, first been exposed to NFTs, I remember him talking about it and I still remember the one video, it was on Instagram, I don't remember where it was, but basically talked about like how digital ownership, you know, where, you know, he could sell his NFT and then it could be sold again. And he would still get recurring revenue from it. And I'm like, Oh, like I start to understand, um, you know, like when you start to create content or from an artist's perspective, when they, when they create, you know, they're still going to be monetized for the work that they've done and the work that they put in. And I just thought it was a fascinating concept of being able to own things digitally because like we live in a digital world. You know what I mean? Like, we It is it is like we are very much in a physical world, but a lot of our world is digitally connected and the things that we do and the things that we uh, communicate with are very digital. Like it's it just makes so much sense to me that this is the future and this is where things are going to go. And, um, you know, I've been recognized in, within my own field and with my own profession as somebody that, um, kind of sees trends starting to happen and trying to be ahead of the curve in a lot of different ways. And, um, I think this is really no different. It's just, a, it's just on a much larger scale than just training and exercise.
0: Yeah. and You know, it connects back to what you said, like, you know, for us, it was magazines that we were getting our, our info from. Right. And so not only was it like slightly out of date, but there was no co-sharing or co-learning we were also kind of like once you subscribed you know for those that are younger including drew you know we subscribed to magazines and we kind of just got stuck with them for like years upon years of like like you know i remember like not only was it sports illustrated but i had like kids sports illustrated yeah. and like and it was you know even when you stop you know it was like the hardest thing to unsubscribe it's kind of like email newsletters now where you have to find like oh my god yeah like right it was such a weird uh-huh. like if you think about it, we think about it, like not only that, like how, you know, how we had to find things like to realize we weren't alone, right. To realize that there are other people or other ways to, to see things or other views. I mean, we, we didn't really have a lot of that, you know, exposure and, you know, we fast forward now and our our kids, not only do they have a lot of that exposure and we could argue good or bad, but the opportunity to like a lot of these, you know, connections and ownership and, and even like, kind of just like resetting, like, where you know where our our kind of influence comes from i think is so you know beautiful and it connects to that, that thing that you said at the very beginning there right of like and i mean i loved the idea of like hey the, the weight room just happens to be the place that i get to help make help these people become better humans right and like i mean that's all face it like if 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 you're like us the fact that like how can we make the world a better place but not in like the foo-foo like you know all you know run out and one person change the world but like individually impacting right and how do we have like you know these connections and you know i i love that that aspect and i'm curious before we talk a little bit meta athletes you know like for me being an early adopter has been like my entire career and as you know and like i really struggle with the fact that i feel like the thing that's lacking the most in this space is the like the concept the embodiment of leadership uh, as a whole and like in sports, like, I, you know, and, and maybe it was me growing up in sports and, like, just, like, like it just was ingrained, right? Like, I mean, I remember the stuff, like, the amount of Vince Lombardi references and quotes and things that I grew up with, right? On, like, and then, it, you know, and it was the, you know, of course, like, the Chuck Knowles and, like, the Tony dungies and, like, I mean, like, the amount of, like, kind of that coaching leadership. But then also the the leadership within, like, I mean, one of the things I take most pride in is I was the first third-line uh you know hockey player in our entire league that that wore a letter on their chest as an assistant captain because nobody like everyone was like the best player and they were the first or second line I was definitely like you and I had that in common like I knew (laughs) like I made the college hockey team and everyone's like what does this mean I'm like it means I get to play four more years of hockey like there's (laughs) there is no (laughs) skill set that I had like I, I knew I wasn't tall enough big enough but like I also knew I played a damn unique role, you know, role on the ice. Like everyone would tell you, like, I was, you know, I was the trash guy for goals. And if you look on the stats, they're like, Fanzo has all these goals. He must've really, I was like, no, I saw the ice better than others. Like I I knew where I need to be and I could see trends and things in others mm-hmm. and just position myself where, like where the puck would go. It was like that, you know, Wayne Gretzky quote works perfectly. It's why in the bottom of my email is like, that was literally my, like my DNA on, on sports. And so I'm curious your thoughts on like, where does that leadership, you know, and it, and I don't think it's an age thing, but I do think like my own personal take is a little bit of like the financial component maybe plays a, a kind of a interesting role, but like, how can we identify ways for like leadership to be grown and celebrated in this space because just because someone's a founder, just like just because someone's the <laughs> most, most talented person on the, on the team, sure as hell does not mean that they are the best leader. And that is such a gap right now. And I'd love to hear your just take on that because I think it could really help a lot of us not only identify maybe leadership opportunities for ourselves, but also kind of suss out like who are the yeah. actual leaders in this space?
1: I think that's a great question. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand how to filter that well. And I think you do a great job of it. I think I, I, think I do a pretty good job of it. Um, I understand what leadership is, and I understand what leadership is not. And I think my experience in sports has helped me understand that a lot. Like, I often get asked, like, you know, who should be captain? Mm. And, you know, you know, I'll look at the roster, and I'll, I'll give my opinion. And I'm like, well, I think this person is. And then somebody might be like, really? Like, the person isn't, like, the best player. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like your best player doesn't want to lead. Your best person, your best player doesn't want to have a position of influence. And that's what leadership is. And like the way I define it, and is is leadership is the ability to positively influence others to do things that they didn't think that they could do themselves. Like that is my own personal definition of what 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 leadership is. And ironically, I gave this presentation a couple weeks ago to to teachers and to uh, a school district. And there's a lot of things that go into leadership, um, but so much of it is truly understanding yourself. And if you cannot lead yourself, you have no business leading other people. Mm -hmm. And so when I say leading yourself, do you have self-awareness? Do you have self awareness, like of your energy? Are you positive or you negative? Are you, do you have self awareness of the words that you use? Do you have self awareness of your body language that you use? Do you have self awareness of your habits? Do you have good? Do you have positive habits? Do you have negative habits, or you, you know what's your mindset? Do you understand what your why is? Like all those types of things that really, it, it's messy, right? It requires reflection. A lot of people don't want to reflect because it's they might not like what they find out it's
0: scary that part's scary scary. that is scary as hell
1: and 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 so I challenge anybody like you've got to take a deep dive into understanding who you are and first and foremost and that that requires vulnerability and and if anybody doesn't believe that like I I challenge you to start looking into everything that Brene Brown has put out like read her books watch her Netflix series like
0: She is the North star. She
1: is is the the person that's pushing the envelope of leadership and understanding vulnerability. And, you know, I haven't even talked about emotional intelligence, but really like it's, it comes down to you being able to be at peace with yourself, you know, in finding people that have peace within themselves. And how do you find that? Like, you got to dig, you got to do your own research, you got to, you got to find out informations. you got you to understand the way they talk and the energy behind their voice and their emotion behind their voice. And, you know, are they pompous? Are they arrogant? Are they, you know, do they have humility in their voice? Do they, do they recognize their weaknesses? Do they recognize their, their areas of, of, of opportunities where they can improve? Like I talk about this thing where, um, can you recognize the constants? And then can you recognize constraints, mm-hmm. right? Constants are going to be there. Right. That's like gravity. That's yeah. like it's gonna be morning and there's gonna be night. There, there's gonna be like we're gonna die. That's a yeah. constant. And the other constant is we, we have to make choices, right? And every opportunity you're gonna have to make a choice. And and then how do you view everything else that happens around you? Do you view it as a constraint, which is an opportunity for growth, or do you view it as an obstacle? And those yeah. obstacles are gonna be walls. And the more people that make excuses and they put up walls and they say this and that and and that's why they're not doing things like, I think, in my opinion, that's a red flag. And when you can find people that can, that have a high level of self-awareness, then they can effectively lead other people. You know, and I think that's, that's an important piece of the puzzle is really disseminating, you know, who can lead and who can't lead. And I think the, the longer that I've been in within the space, I think if things start to get a little bit more clear and the water starts to get less murky because at the beginning you're like it's you know it's gung ho it's exciting there's like it's you know there's new things popping up all the time and and it was hard to disseminate information then yeah it's really hard to disseminate information especially digitally right when you yeah. may not be able to hear some of these voices and then you know you start to understand when when people get on twitter space when people do podcasts when people put themselves out there and they make themselves a little bit more vulnerable then you can really see who's here for the right reasons and who's, who's not here for the right reasons. So, you know, one of the things, like I think you, I said this to you in a clubhouse like, way back when we first met is I can feel your passion. I can feel your energy. Every time I hear you speak, hmm. you know, I can feel your ability to be vulnerable because you say it all the time. You recognize the things that you're good at and you recognize the things that aren't, that you're not good at. Right. And you don't hide the fact. And then I think when you do those types of things, people will be, you know people are attracted to you and i like to pride myself that you know i you know i do i share insights and i share perspectives but i i made it make it clear like i am not i don't know every answer right like and and i will continue to find and seek and search and learn because that's the only way that we're going to grow and if i can show that i that i'm willing to do those things on a daily basis then maybe other people are going to be more willing to follow follow what i have to say
0: yeah I mean that that hits home and I mean huge fan of Brene Brown got to meet her in person one time backstage we spoke at the same event and she was even nicer than you would like think she would be like was genuine as all can be like I spilled my I spilled my diet coke getting up to like I shake think. her hand because I was excited and I, like uh it was a uh-huh. Dell event that I was speaking at and she was like you're the speaker up here like she was doing like a fireside chat yeah. and I and I was like wait you care like what you know what I am and like uh, I mean, That's she's so cool. good. And there's a Netflix special for those yeah. that aren't like the readers just, and there's a great, she has a interview with Dax Shepard, uh, on armchair expert that I still think is one of my favorite, like just the give and take between the two of them. I talked a lot about substance abuse and, uh, about identifying some of these like things. And, you know, you mentioned about self-awareness and I, you know, I, I don't know for a fact and, and I'm sure maybe some of the people that worked on my team early on, cause I, I was very lucky, you know, very not lucky. I. I positioned myself and worked my ass off early in my career to take a a leadership management role where every person I hired, all the way up to 42 employees, my first 40, were older than I was. And that was a weird, and I was in the government, I was in cybersecurity, where most people didn't even know what cybersecurity was, and I was trying to hire them in these roles. But I don't know if I was self-aware then. I was extremely confident, and I was very comfortable in my own skin, which I think, Allowed me to kind of believe that I was self-aware, but it took, you know, I, I would say it, it actually took until my mid 30s before I had to take a step back and say, hold on a second. Like I there is a difference between this idea of being comfortable with who I am versus like recognizing all of these things, right? Like you said, not only what we're good with, what we're not good at, and also what you're willing to change, what you're mm, not willing yes. to change, like that, like th- those things are 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 kind of interesting. I'm curious because. I think there you know this space does have a lot of young leaders or young uh, let's position that correctly a lot of people that are in places to lead that are younger and some of them rightfully so worked their tail off and and embraced it others just happened to be in the right place at the right time and this space kind of like anointed them as people that we should look up to and I think that starts to come through I'm curious with your you know experience with like some of the athletes that come through are there certain things that you can identify that like hey, this person is already understands self-awareness. Like maybe they haven't mastered it. Right. But like, versus someone that's coming in and you're like, wow, that hasn't been like in their, in their warehouse. Is there things that you can kind of tell early on that maybe would help us also identify that in this space as well?
1: Yeah. That's a really good question. Like, and I don't know if I have, if I can pinpoint and say it's, oh, it's these three things. Like, a lot of it is truly observational, like how they present themselves, how they walk, how they carry themselves, how they, how they interact, like how they, what their body language is like. And those are the types of things you don't necessarily are able, you're not yeah. able to see. None of the
0: stuff we get through a PFP photo no. uh, and, and 230 characters, right? Like no, you're
1: not. No. And I think you're in web three, your, your ability to filter is a lot less than it is like in real life. Like when you visibly connect with somebody, I think your ability to filter um, all of these, these inputs that based on what you see, based on what you feel, based on what you hear, um, it, it's easier to tell, like if somebody's BS or somebody's legit and somebody's real. And um, I think it takes more time in, in web three to be able to understand the, the level of the level of, of self-awareness that somebody has to be, to be an effective leader. Um, but some of the things that I notice, like in, in my day to day are, um, really like the ability to ask questions. Like if, if somebody is willing to ask like hard questions, they, they usually have done some sort of reflection to understand what they're good at and what they're not good at. Um, but along those same lines, I've met plenty of athletes who just ask questions, ask questions to kind of be like, um,
0: a deflecting mechanism, right? Like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. In, um, like you might remember, um, Eddie Haskell, right? Oh, you yeah. remember Eddie Haskell from oh, yeah, sure. I, don't, I don't know if a lot of our listeners will, but um, sometimes you get a, an Eddie Haskell who just asks questions, who tries to be like not necessarily a brown noser, but um, so you, you, you can you can figure it out sooner or later, like if that person's authentic or not. But the ability to ask questions, I think, is a big one because the, those who seek curiosity often have a growth mindset, mm. you know, and the people that have a growth mindset, are those are the type of people that you want to, you want to be around because they recognize that, that there's an ability to improve and there's an ability to grow and there's an ability to um, move further that move further from where you are right now. Right. Like that's the, that's the, uh, the kind of like the science of what a growth mindset is versus a fixed mindset is that people who have a growth mindset realize that they can improve. Like if they hit an obstacle, they hit a wall they recognize if I put in more effort, or if I try a little bit harder, or if I try something different, I might be able to get past this obstacle that's in my way right now. Just because the obstacle is there right now doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. Right. And uh, the ability to ask questions and being curious is really important. That's the thing that I, I think that kind of stands out top of mind when you ask me that question of how to recognize if somebody's truly self-aware.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I love that. And, you know, I and I, you know, that growth mindset and uh, you know abundance mindset, right? Like. I remember first hearing that and being like, I felt like everybody I would first see like came across that way, right? Like I would like, I would almost like make this like weird assumption. And I even remember like I would deflect away from and I think it was actually my lack of understanding growth mindset at its core to like to recognize that like the people that are there not only to continue to learn, but willing to admit they're wrong. And and that's where the other question I wanted to throw your way was, you know, one of the byproducts of this space became. You know, I mean, I remember when my wallet got compromised, right? And I put it out there. The amount of people and, and many names that I've never shared to this day that DM me and that were like, "Holy hell! Like, how did you think? Like, why did you do that? Like, how did you do that?" Because they had all got their wallets hacked. They had all been horribly impacted the way that it impacted me, but they didn't believe the culture or the 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 environment was was a, would be there to allow them. To you know, the forgiveness or even the the safety, and and they also looked at it from the standpoint of like, how would I be looked at as a leader if I made a mistake, if I got my wallet compromised? And I remember that was like that whole month, and I know you know, like that was a a lot of my like like awareness of this space was actually through that when I didn't think of it for me not for a second, like, actually the reason I, like me putting out, you know, I have cybersecurity background, right? Like not like, I, I mean, I was like double, double time what most would have been out there, but I was very lucky that many, many years earlier, right? Let's just say seven years earlier, I'd already gone through that like practice of like, just like owning some mistakes and as a creator, as an entrepreneur and like recognizing like, oh, well, this is how some people are going to judge me, but this is how others are going to see me. And it's going to unlock something that like allows us to connect. So I'm curious because, you know, after that, I was like, yeah, of course <sighs> people need to be vulnerable. But then I've watched this space and we do not give people much grace, especially if they've been deemed, you know, project founder or artist, you know, like, and, and almost to the point where, you know, and a and little bit of a trigger warning for those that, you know, mentioned just, you know, someone that, um, you know, took their own life and, you know, just to put that out there, that. Like when, you know, the whole, with Twitch, right? That, that really impacted me a lot in the sense of like, when we when there are people that we see as the, the light, as the charisma, as the having it all, if they admit that they're struggling or that they've done something wrong, I think a lot of us still go to them and be like, oh, stop complaining. You have everything already. Why are you whining? And I feel like that's a tough, really tough spot in this space right now. And there are some people that I judged um that are leaders of projects that i had a, i've recently kind of reassessed my judgment and i was like wait a second like i almost now understand why it took five months for them to admit that there was uh, like three other mistakes that they had made and, and before they were denied deny, deny what's your take on like on like that and is it i mean is it really a byproduct i mean it's athletes are the same right like i mean like watching the combine i, I watched every minute of the combine and like those, like they can't admit anything, right? And then the, the one guy like rips his Achilles and he's like, oh, I still want to bench press. And like watching him go out there, he ripped his Achilles like, I guess like six hours before and goes out there and bench presses like 37. And, the, and like, and I remember being like, that's the dude I want to draft him. Like I want him as a Pittsburgh's dealer, right? But like that is such a hard spot for people to like to see, but also for us. Like, I mean, I say on the podcast, I feel like almost every episode, we need to give people more grace but like giving more people more grace, if we don't see that, if others don't see that the grace is available, how does that, how do we kind of shift that narrative? How do you think about that from a, you know, cause vulnerability is a scary oftentimes, you know, it's like baby steps for us to get there, but are, are we, are we creating a culture now, like in the bear market that maybe is more forgiving? Like, I don't, it's tough for me to see that. What's your take?
1: That's a really good question. And, and I don't know if I have the right answer for it, but from what i see i think what's been happening in in the bear market is i think that there is more patience you know with
0: i agree with that yeah and
1: in in some situations right and there's some situations where there's a lot of people that that are very impatient right and i think the motives matter right like what are the motives behind x project what are the motives behind what this person is saying um you know, or are they just trying to pump their own bags and then dump on everybody? Like, it, what what are the, are the motives authentic? And I wish I had an answer for that, but that's a really difficult thing to still be able to tell. Yeah. Is just when you think like you know somebody or you feel really strongly about somebody and their ability to lead, and their ability to get things done, and then they vanish. You're you're it, it's like. It's like shit. Like what like I thought I knew it. Like I thought <laughs> I had a good feeling about what was happening. And then all those things are learning opportunities. Those are yeah. learning opportunities for you and for others to be able to recognize and develop that filter, develop that that BS meter. Like like who's legit and who's not. And I can tell you from my own personal perspectives that my my willingness to give my attention has shrunk to. F- to fewer and fewer people. And those people that are getting it are the ones that I see on a daily basis that make no excuses at all. Mm-hmm. The ones that are fully transparent with what is happening on a regular basis and the ones that execute. I think that is probably the biggest thing is words are meaningless without actions. Right. right. you you could say everything that you want to say, but if you're not showing it and you're not showing up on a daily basis, then I'm not going to give you my attention, you know, and my attention, like that's, that's part of me, right. That's part of, of my being. And I'm giving you my attention, which is ultimately my time. And if I'm willing to give you my time, then you better in return, show me something on the other end. And so I think some of that's patience. um, But it's, you know, I think the bear market has exposed a lot of people like who's legit and who's not legit. And um, I I would caution to everybody just, (laughs) you know, like, take your time, do your own damn research. Um, And, and realize,
0: you, know, you can, we also have to just realize that, like, our view and opinion of people, it's okay that it changes, right? Like, in, in both directions, yeah. right? Like if, I think sometimes we, we get stuck in, like, a, like, oh, this person was this. And mm. part of the reason I think we aren't willing to realize that that person is not who we thought they are, is we have to admit we were wrong, right? Yes. Like, and that's, like, yeah. a, like, and I, I, and I, in a weird way, like, I'm really good at that part of that, right? Because, like, for me, like I love I love you basing my like my heart and my the way I trust people based on the data I have at that moment and at nothing more and nothing less. Right. And like they can they can gain more, they could, you know, they could subtract. And I think for a lot of us in, in this space, and, and I'm gonna tie for those that are listening, and like if you're loving this, this ties in perfectly to meta athletes and what meta athletes stands for because this is the conversations and these are the ways that you know not only you know, high performance, but improving and surrounding yourself with good people. And, and I'll say like, when the market was good, right? We talk about like the bear market exposing. I would argue a lot of the people during the bull market, we would never have known that this side of them existed. Like we have to almost give ourselves, like this is where you give yourself grace and be like, it wasn't that I was wrong. It was that there was zero data points or opportunity oh, wow. for this level of who they were to be exposed. We weren't, we just were not And like, I mean, some of them are past guests of this podcast that at the time, and I held them uh, I, at a standard, I, they 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 were delivering, their actions met everything, right? Based on the, the data I had. And then quickly, times got a little tougher and maybe you had to, you had to own a couple of things and you had to shift things. And, and all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, that person that I assumed would just mm. step up, all of a sudden they were... Oh, we're not going to do this, and then they they would like follow. They would use another project. Like, oh, I'm just doing it like that project's doing it. Yeah. And that that really, like that really shines a lot to me. And I think that's also, you know, a piece why if we go back to I think it's episode 23. Someone messaged me the other day that I was calling out this idea of a slow burn, right? Like surrounding yourself and like these projects that are continuing to build brick by brick and evolving, but have not stopped, like. That is like, I mean, that that's like the the foolproof plan, right? Like the ones that you're like overnight. and so you know with meta athletes, like right, one of the things that I love is just the the coaching relationship, the athlete relationship. and I think it's part of the context, and we didn't do a great job of of this early on, even in the podcast, you know, I was being involved with meta athletes since the beginning, of really conveying that it's more than just an athlete. And I think your statement at the very beginning, right? like meta athletes is more of just like the vehicle like the weight room, like you said, right? It's around, people that believe in being a better version of themselves. And, and it doesn't mean you have to be a thousand X better. Right. It's just that like, Hey, and I, I mean, I, I will openly say, you know, and drew not only being you know, dear friends of both of ours, but also, I mean, he's one of, you know, one of the best networkers I've ever met and connectors and it has nothing to do with his age. It's, I mean, the fact he's able to do that at his age, I've told him multiple times his success, meter of life is I mean off the chains because I just see that at, at his core but I also know he's really good at allowing like assessing and realizing like when I surround myself with good people I also have to evolve my like thinking and 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 I will say coach B since you became more involved in you know in meta athletes and joining the team the 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 whole mission the message and like kind of those things that were I think there at the beginning started to actually come to fruition and started to be things that I saw Drew step into, right? And they were things that I remember Kevin highlighting early on, but they were a little bit harder to kind of like, kind of put into perspective. And so, I mean, I, I'm loving what, you know, Meta Athletes is not only becoming, but continue to evolve. Um, talk to me a little bit about how that has been for you, because, you know, I, I know we connected early on from that. You know, Drew was the, was the common theme there, which is he's a common theme for a lot of great connections. But then, you know, just even, you're like, I mean, for those that maybe don't have them at athlete or haven't jumped in yet, you know, I'm going to put it out there because I'm going to pull the Babe Ruth and call the shot. March is a great month for the project to mint out. And I think it will, because I think the, the timing makes a lot of sense for a lot of things, but also the project has become mature to be like this timing makes sense. How have you felt like that whole thing? Because it's been fun ride to see it from my side and I'm not in on the day-to-day uh, pieces of it, but I mean, it just feels like the project is a line coach for your message, your mission. And, you know, Drew is a, a great steward of kind of, uh, you know, working with you on that as well.
1: Yeah. There's um, there's a couple of things I wanted to go back to. Like, okay. and then I'll talk about that. Like, yeah. the, I remember that episode with slow burn, right? And that I think you were probably the first to coin that term. Yeah. I don't remember anybody ever talking about a slow burn. And at that time, it was very negative. Like, if you didn't mint out, a year ago, it was seen as a really negative type of, type of event. It kind of showed that you were maybe a failure at, you know <laughs> what I mean? And in, in relative terms at that time. And I remember, you know, being involved with some projects that were slow burns, like it, it's, it's the, it's the aspect of constantly showing up and showing up every single day and adversity reveals somebody's character. Right. And so you had kind of mentioned before yeah. about people, people dug it, you know, when, when shit hits the wall and adversity hits, it's going to be a true reveal of somebody's character, yeah. Are they can are they going to continue to push through? or Are they going to continue to, you know, make, you know, give up or make excuses like the, you know, the phrase that I often hear if like, you're trying to try to help somebody or deliver feedback or give information. If they say, yeah, but they don't want to hear you. Yep. Anytime somebody puts the word, but into it, they become automatically defensive. Right. And so I think that's one way to raise your antennas up and understand, so develop your own filter. If somebody constantly says, but they don't really want to get better. They don't really want to hear what you have to say and their willingness to shift, adapt, or pivot is not going to be that that great towards the, you know, towards the future directive of where you're, where you want to go. Now, transitioning to, you know, meta athletes, it's, you know, like if anybody goes on my website, like my credo and my mission, like, again, I did a deep reflection. Like, I know what my mission is. It's to help every individual become the best version of themselves. Like that is at the core. That is my why. That is my why. And it's been my why for a long time. Um, when Drew asked me to be, you know, be involved with meta athletes, it was, I think at the beginning, I don't think we really knew exactly what we were, I think there was right. an idea and I think there was an idea with, with the mind and networking and personal growth. And um, I think it was just very messy. Yep. And I think what I recognize is the potential of what it could be and what it could be was that this is li- literally a community of high performers mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be athletes. Um, it can be fans. It could be, Uh, professionals, it could be business professionals, it could be entrepreneurs, it could be whatever it is. If you aspire to get better, you're a high performer. Bottom line, regardless of if you're playing in the NHL, MLB, NBA, uh, high school teacher, it does not matter. You are a high performer. And when you peel back layers of what high performers have, there's a lot of commonalities, and I often use the term success leaves clues. You can look at every high performer regardless of whatever field that they were in, and you can start to recognize a lot of similarities, and a lot of it always comes down to somebody's mindset and being involved in meta athletes and then being able to see the evolution and being able to kind of peel back. The layers. I still remember the, the Zoom call we had in the summer. You know, we're just kind yeah. of peeling things back and trying to figure out what's our why and 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 what's the mission and what's the vision. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Like when we peeled everything back and got down to the core of what we were, which is essentially to help everybody win in life. Like that matches with my own personal mission. That mm-hmm. matches with my own personal why. And to me, it's it's been like a match made in heaven. Like, and I tell, I say this to Drew all the time. It's like you were my you, you we're like identical. Like in the way we kind of think and the way we kind of see things, I have my own strengths. He has his own strengths, but for, for him, like he is a master networker, master connector. um, And he's a true visionary, you know, and and, you know, age is enough. Age is just a number for him. Like his ability to disseminate information, his ability to disseminate um, BS, his ability to disseminate just, just that ability is elite, is absolutely elite. And I think at the beginning, like when we would text and stuff and communicate, like he was probably trying to feel me out, you know, and I think he went through a lot of my podcasts that I had already recorded and went through my information. Then he finally started to realize like what I was and they finally asked me to be part of the team. It's, it was a, it was a match made in heaven, you know, and, um, it's been cool to see the evolution of not only just our relationship, but also the relationship and maturity of, what it means to be a meta athlete and what it means for everybody that comes into the community and they hold a token and they show up every single day and they help other people. Like it was, it was the other night was really, was really cool. Like the, there was things going on in the chat. Somebody allowed them to be vulnerable, shared something. And instantly three, four five people said, we got you, we got you, you know, which is the epitome of being on a team. Yeah. And you've been on a team. I've been on a team. Uh, you know, everybody in our community, the majority have been on a team. And it doesn't matter. You could be on a sports team. Your family is a team. If you're working in a business, that's your team. Like we're all part of teams. And when you're on a team that is connected, it has a mission, it has a vision. Everybody's on the same page. It feels special. And that's what Meta Athletes is. And I think there's a lot of people that are starting to feel that momentum. Like I'm getting chills right now thinking about yeah. it. They're starting to feel the potential of it. Like somebody came in the other day and it was like, um, I've already gotten more utility from this than I have from anything else in my bag. Mm. And he'd been around for like a week, you <laughs> know? And I think they can start to realize and recognize that like, Metathlete's is just beginning. And I remember reading it on the website initially said that this is that they're building a brand for 50 years. And a lot of people can say that, you know, but you know, you can start to feel it with med athletes. It's, it's, it's not just a, uh, it's not an NFT project. It's a business, it's a business and it's a brand that legitimately has the potential to impact so many people. So yeah. I am fortunate, I'm humbled, and I'm very grateful to be, uh, to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. And I, that team aspect, right? Like, I think everyone like listening now, like think when we talk about, like, I always say, you know, I said this, you know, I think it was with Ben from Killer bears when I said like, you know, there, we have to also just own that it's hard as adults to find friends and find people that you connect with, especially that are outside of just like the forced activities that your kids force you into, right? Or proximity with your neighbors, right? You don't choose that. And and we all have been on teams where it's like, wow, I didn't choose to be here. None of us have really have the same mission or goal. Uh, you know, half the people don't want to practice. Half the people want to practice five days a week, right? All that, that stuff. Like those are the worst teams of all teams because it's not really a team. and And I think that's what a lot of the, the community represents for a lot of other NFT projects. Right. And I think what you said there, you know, like I remember even with Drew and Kevin kind of early, early on, like a lot of it was where it's at now. It, it just, you know, like I remember Drew like telling Drew, like this utility is too early for this space to identify yeah. as valuable. And it's also almost too early for us to figure out how to convey that in a NFT token gated you know version right and I think the beauty is like the space matured the ability to deliver that matured but your that message of like, like to think about it for everybody listening right like we all want to be a part of a team of that people want to lift each other up and we want to know that there'll be people are there to lift us up if we need it right and that's hard as all things to find especially in a digital world right like I mean I've been a part of like one Facebook group that I, that I can think of off the top of my head that was that, but it was because it was like the most controlled, hardest group to get into. It was like slowly growing. And it it was amazing. It was this team. And I, st- I, I leaned on them yesterday, actually. Uh, and, and the Facebook group doesn't exist anymore because COVID happened, but, um, but the, I leaned on like the core group of people that i met there. And, and I'll tell you what meta athletes, you know, from the, the, the idea of being able to, you know, to find others that are, are sharing best practices. And, and I'll, and I'll say just for anyone that's like, if the word high performer doesn't, I, you, you don't identify as that it's I I remember the first time I heard that and I was like, man, I'm like, I'm not sure I would qualify myself as a high performer. And, and it was, it wasn't because like that I don't match the, the definition, but like, for me, like, I guess there's like a little weird thing inside of me that was like, the you know the four the four day work week with Tim Ferriss, or like there's a lot of these things I think that were ingrained in like this like um life help you know life coach you know coach less all these like things that have been kind of thrown in our lives in the last say seven years that I think a lot of it made people made us feel that others were higher higher you know performing therefore we wouldn't identify as a high performer and I love how you kind of reset that right because I think it's important for us to look at it and be like are you curious? Are you willing to, to put in the work to be better? Are you realizing that the world changes, life changes, and, and you need to change, right? Like, those are, you know, qualities of that high performers. And and I also think, like, I mean, the coaches that are in this group, right, from all walks of life, from, like, you know, previous athletes, but also those that are some of, like, the best mindset coaches uh, uh, in worlds that are, you know, with entrepreneurs and and mm-hmm. business minds, like, that to me is something... That, you know, it gives me chills too because I think we were we were striving for that in Web Two. <laughs> We've been striving for that. You know, we we I think we realized it more so during COVID. How much being part of a team is is needed and vital. And for many of us, the hamster wheel stopped and it was like, oh shit, kind of kind of kind of alone on this uh this raft, and I don't even know where to find my team. Like, you know, where do I, you know, and not not to mention we were locked down, but like we finally slowed down. And I, I love that's where, you know, meta athletes, um, you know, has now become, you know, the, you know, we had today, I got a message from Drew and he's like, Hey, such and such, you know, one of our, one of our big listeners here, uh, just jumped in, aped into, to meta athletes. And I was like, my message oh. back was, I knew he would be coming into meta athletes, but I also knew that the timing had to be right for him. Timing had to be right for meta athletes. And all of it kind of needed to come to like fruition at around the same time and, And like, like that to me is like, like each time I I open the chat, each time I open the discord, the conversations and the people, it's like where I want to be listening, right? Like Mm. that and, and I, you know, and of course, D-Y-O-D-R and, you know, that side of the house for everyone that's listening. But I mean, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you've been on this damn journey, you're a high performer. (laughs) No doubt. You you would not have made it through this freaking roller coaster Mm -hmm. if you didn't recognize that like. You're gonna to have to, you know, strap up the boots, right? You're gonna to have to put on those things, and so I love that aspect. So for those that are like listening right now, coach, that are like, "Ooh, meta athletes might be something interesting," or they didn't maybe understand that side. It's minting still right now, right? Which is beautiful, and it's minting with you know, there's male and female PFPs, which is also kind of a, a nice you know byproduct of the project growing uh, as well, which. Drew can tell anybody like my very first call on the very first day. That was my very first comment. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I love the male BFBs. I was like, but, um, where are the female ones? Right. And, and those are part of the collection now, but talk, talk to people a little bit about like, you know, if they have one, one men athlete, you know, what does that kind of look like? Give us a little bit of that piece. Cause I'll just tell you, if you guys loved this episode and there's a reason, this isn't my first rodeo, but there's a reason I wanted coach to help coach me and help mm. identify the leadership. Because this is what coach does, and this is what exists in Meta Athletes. And so if you love this episode and that discussion, then this is the, the, the community for you. And I, and I think this kind of leads into some of the opportunities for people to join.
1: Yeah, it's, the number one thing that, that you're going to get from Meta Athletes, which is different than a lot of other masterminds and networking things that you might have signed up for in the past, is, is typically with those kind of subscription-based models and things that you've gotten in the past, it's, it, it's content. Right? You're given content, you're given videos, and you're left to consume the information on your own. What's different about men athletes is that we will continue to produce content and put out content for the community, but you will get coached at the same time. And that coaching is the accountability. That coaching is the support. That coaching is the... Um, the the kick in the butts every time anytime you need it right it's right. that it's that love that you're gonna get and and getting you to maybe modify things that we might need to change um, whether it be your training program or, or nutrition program or mindset whatever it may be but that's the thing that's really unique about it in that you know when you hold one to nine meta athletes like it, it, we uh, drew worked with the uh, the team of crypto dads and they came up with a um, ERC twenty polygon token which is coach and that's the utility token of the ecosystem for every men athlete that you have it's just on a kind of a soft staking model you're you're given 20 coach coin a week and what that coach coin can be used for is consulting and that was one of the big things that i wanted to do um Further on, like as part of my career, is as I wanted to be able to teach and consult and those types of things more. And Drew does a fantastic job of that, and our other coaches too. Is it's that's one of the biggest utilities that you're gonna get. So the more Meta athletes you have, the more Coach Coin you get airdropped, as Drew says, uh, each week. And when you accrue a certain amount of Coach Coin, you have the opportunity to schedule 15 minute consult calls. And so if you hold 25 plus, like that's the most. Um, the highest tier, um, you can get up to two calls a month is what it's going to equate out to be with with Drew or myself or any other coach on the on the team. So you have an opportunity to really connect on a individual level to best suit whatever it is that you want to improve upon. Like I know we have people in the community that aspire to improve their physical fitness, but we have other people who try to aspire their their financial fitness and really understand how to build a business. We've had somebody in the in the community um, start his own project and and break off on that. And we've had another person who same similar thing. He's running his own project, but he wants a little bit more coaching in that aspect. Like it's we run the gamut of people that are within the community that understand the value of growth and improvement. And that's what the difference of Meta Athlete is versus any subscription based model that you might subscribe to is that. You're gonna get that support and you're gonna get that attention It's not just from the coaches right. but from the people from your teammates right that's what we kind of liken everything to do and that's the terms we use is when you and when you get a, a meta athletes nFt you're on the team yeah. right and then you know when you hit ten and you, now you're you're um an assistant coach right and then after that then you become a general manager you know and um, there's different other types of perks and stuff for the tiers in terms of raffles and um, athlete giveaways. But, but the biggest thing is just is the utility of coaching and the utility of um, being on a team, which is, it's powerful. It, it it really is. It's It's been a sight to see how everything's evolved and grown. And, uh, you know, everybody's taking some, some ownership within the team and it's really, it's, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah.
0: You know, and I, I... I love how you, cause like that, that idea of team, like anyone that's been a part of a team, you know, you can have a great coach, but part of like being like the teams that you love and remember, they don't have to be the ones that won, but they're the ones that the people that were ride or die next to you mm-hmm. are the ones that you loved who they were. They connected and you knew they had your back. And like, you know, like, and like, for me, like, I, I mean, I, as soon as I think about team, like, I know, like, I mean, I go back to my 14 year old baseball team, this, this U 14 team that we played in the Babe Ruth League. And 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 my dad was the coach, which you know, I grew up with uh, my dad being my coach for all my all my sports except for hockey. And I don't know if there was, you know, my dad always jokes, the only sport I didn't coach is the only one you decide to play, you know, in college with. And I was like, Well, dad, nothing to do with you, I promise. But um, but like that idea of like that connecting with others, right? And I see that within the the meta athletes, you know, chats and conversations is like. Oh, you're going through that as well. Even like, you know, those that are on in the Peloton, right? Like the Peloton yeah. conversations, right? like there's a ice bath uh, conversation. There's a you know nutrition one. And like, and I'll say like, from my standpoint, like there's also different ways to find your journey. I, I was joking with Drew on the Twitter space the other night. I was like, I know Drew knows me well to where he knows how he's going to push me. And like more than likely in about an hour, I'll probably be on the Peloton for the first time and, in three months, and it wasn't because, like, the way I work is a little bit different than the way others work, right? Like, I'm a competitive guy, but I'm not, you can't guilt me into anything, because you want to guilt me into something, I'm going to be hard-nosed as all hell, I know that about myself, right? But, like, I also know that I'm, like, oh, I see what they're doing, I like what they're doing, and I want to do that for myself, and I think, like, that aspect of meta athletes is, like, a, is a beautiful kind of byproduct of it, and I also will say, like, there are some athletes that are, right now, the top it, NHLers the top base MLBers that are in there and then there's also those that are like hey I was sports weren't my thing but I am now a better mom a better dad I'm now recognizing my role and you know in these different things and so I love that I also love that it kind of now all makes a lot more sense right it's kind of like a beautiful you know it, you, like it was a beautiful it was a melting pot of like a whole lot of things in there for a long while right and it was Partially, I think we we all grew as a as a culture, but I think we all grew as like what we represent as meta athletes. And I, I will say I, I, I'm very proud to to see what that what this has all become and even more excited for you know where it's kind of going for all that. And you know, I I without question have a thousand percent bias in my whole conversation here. And I, you know, I'm as transparent about it as it gets, <laughs> but I will also say. There are very few times that anyone can say that they've heard me kind of dial it into that level. And I will say almost, I think every time that that I have at this level on the podcast, those are the projects that are still showing up, right? I will tell you, MetaWhips is a project that is a slow burn that I still, to this day, will be a project people will regret not being a part of it and not owning like what that meant. Crypto Dads and now how it's evolved. There's some really great projects that I will say the theme I believe in all these great projects right now is they're evolved to find their stride and their stride is kind of coming into a beautiful kind of picture now. And coach, you've been a, a great leader there. I, I love, you know, I know Drew, you know, big shout out to Drew and, and you know, most of everybody here that listens to the show knows, you know, Drew's role, um, you know, with this podcast role with, you know, the business as a whole, but um coach this was a heck of a lot of fun uh, i didn't even, i just looked up now the time and realized we are over an hour which is just uh shouldn't surprise anybody but <sighs> I, I just love this entire conversation i love your your point of view and i, I will say this with with a thousand percent conviction like you being a part of web3 makes web3 better and i think that is a a, a beautiful uh, thing that i'm just thankful to be part of that you know with you as well so you know thanks so much for for coming on here today
1: Thanks, Fanzo. I, you know, like I said at the beginning, I was humbled and honored to be on this. I've listened to this, listened to you for over a year. I've gotten to know you for over a year, and um, I am humbled and grateful for all the wonderful people that I've been able to meet. And um, Web three is here to stay.
0: It is here to stay, and uh, we're calling our shot. Meta athletes, point zero three uh, ETH right now to mint that. It's a beautiful entry point, beautiful one to get in there. If you have questions about it, hit up on the DMs. Hit up the Meta athletes handles. We'll put them down. Um, in the show notes as well. And I will say, there's pretty much one guarantee in this thing is that um, you don't have to worry about the team or the founders not being aligned with the podcast and the mission, because this is <laughs> of all the projects and all the things, this is, th- these things kind of run hand in hand. Uh, I will also give a shout out, you know, podcasters, discover, podcast listeners discover podcasts by podcasts. Coach uh, and Meta Athletes has a great podcast. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be on there a couple of times as well. I'm sure I'll be on there a couple of times in the future love what the podcast has become it's, it has a, a little bit of everything that gives you a little bit of these doses that you might want to just have from a content side so we'll link that uh up in the show notes but uh yeah coach b thanks uh thanks a bunch again for for all that you uh represent thanks for you know he also is the king of the merch game and yeah. nfts which i i want to kind of relinquish <laughs> that i anyway, know he's got the meta athletes one on uh i, I need a, i need a i didn't have one on now but you know i i was wearing my uh, diamond dogs jersey earlier you know yesterday uh, you know, and I had a, a couple of different ones, but uh, I, I, you know, great, great, great merch game recognizes great merch game, and that's uh, something I, I always see there. So, uh, for everybody listening, for everybody tuning in, thanks so much for you know being a part of this journey. Thanks for you know kind of you know being willing to come on the thing, right? I know this podcast is titled NFT three sixty five, but we could probably just remove the NFT part and just call it three sixty five, and in the idea that you know the whole mission here is like. How do we level up? You know, how do we find that harmony between technology and humanity to make us all better, to make us all move forward? And uh, this episode, to me, is the epitome of that. And uh, excited to get this out to the world. And uh, until next time, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers, everybody.